Go down to certain areas and watch and study and make sure other people don't come in and vote five times. Yeah. Make sure they don't. Try not to break the law when you do that, by the way. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right Here I am, stuck in the middle with you Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in From the Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A. Up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Oh, there's vote fraud going on in Pennsylvania, says Donald Trump on 93 FM WLRI. We'll straighten that out in a bit. 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui in Hawaii. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM. Oh, there's fraud going on there too, right? Isn't there, Mr. Trump? 102.9 FM WLPP in Palinville, New York. And uh, let's see. Oh, Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota, as well as other fine terrestrial stations and streaming on the internets, coast to coast and around the globe on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio. Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, and muckraker from Bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us for another thrilling, action-packed adventure, and my thanks... As ever, to Angie Coiro for filling of uh, indeepradio.com for filling in for us on the previous action-packed, thrilling adventure. Uh, always appreciated. Uh, Donald Trump uh, <laughs> tweeted, uh, uh, "Desi Doyen, I'm afraid we're going to have to do quite a bit of fact-checking today." I know. Just yeah, some it's got to be done. It's got to be done. But we're also going to be focusing on things that have nothing to do with Donald Trump. Oh yay! Uh, that go, as usual, underreported in the uh, mainstream corporate media during an election season, during any election season, frankly, but definitely during this one. A lot of stuff getting ignored that shouldn't be. Uh, in any event, uh, just had to <laughs> just had to note this tweet from Donald Trump on Sunday. Quote, it's not freedom of the press when newspapers and others are allowed to say and write whatever they want. <laughs> Even if it is completely false, he says. So that's not freedom of the press if they get to write and say whatever they want. Uh, that's the kind of guy. That's the guy who has won the nomination for president of the United States of the Republican Party. That's how well he understands the Constitution and, uh, frankly, the freedom of the press, which he has been barring from uh, from covering his uh, his rallies throughout this entire season. And people ask, well, Donald Trump couldn't be that bad. Really? Really? Have you taken a look at his record just of what he has done so far during the uh, while he's been seeking the presidency? 
In the meantime, uh, Trump gave another teleprompter speech today in Youngstown, Ohio, trying to pretend to be presidential. This was this one was billed uh, last week's. It was a, an economic uh, address. This one was uh, billed as a speech on national security and global terrorism, in which he called the prime minister of Germany, Angela Merkel. Her name is Angela and uh, she's kind of uh, one of the most important U.S. allies that we have. You'd think you'd want to get that right, but, you know, whatever. You can't be bothered with details. It was off to a bad start during the introduction to Trump's speech uh, when it was introduced by, uh, by former New York City Mayor Rudolph Giuliani, who you would think would know better. Uh, former New York Mayor Rudolph Giuliani said this. Under those eight years, before Obama came along, we didn't have any successful radical Islamic terrorist attack in the United States. They all started when Clinton and Obama got into office. Desi Doyne, can you spot anything <laughs> wrong with that? Let me think hard about fact checking. No terror attacks in the eight, in the eight years, years before, before Obama, Obama and Clinton. Something happened something, uh, on September 11th or something uh, around that. And I, the name Rudy Giuliani might ring a bell to some uh, people, like Rudy Giuliani. Uh, yeah, so that's what he said. Uh, and you see why it's important to follow up, I think, with fact checks on these things. So that was that was how it started. Then Trump went on basically to repeat many of his old debunked claims, but he did it from a teleprompter. So we're supposed to be more impressed, I suppose. Uh, he blamed uh, Obama and Clinton for the rise of ISIS as opposed to the blaming the invasion and occupation of Iraq under George W. Bush which is, uh, by the measure of pretty much all but the craziest and Trumpiest of foreign policy experts, the reason for the rise of ISIS. Uh, ISIS obviously is the, well, I say obviously, but I guess if you're a Trump supporter, maybe it's not so obvious. But uh, that was the result of the vacuum created by the Iraq war, precisely as even folks like Dick Cheney had long ago predicted back before he went insane, back when he was uh, George Bush Sr.'s Secretary of Defense. And uh, explained the reason why they did not go into Iraq during the first Gulf War was because of the vacuum that would have been created, leading to the rise of exactly what we have seen now. So, yes, Dick Cheney was right about that before he was eventually wrong about that, and Donald Trump continues to remain wrong about that. Trump went on to repeat the uh, the debunked charge. <laughs> no matter how much it's debunked, that uh, the debunked charge that the U.S. paid $400 million in ransom money to Iran which, as it turns out, is total nonsense, uh, de debunked by so many people last week that I don't have time to, I uh, got a lot of debunkage to get to today. So I'll let that one go for now, but suffice to say that was Iran's money. It had nothing to do with releasing any hostages in Iran. Trump also went on to claim yet again that he was against the Iraq war from the beginning, but as this audio before the invasion of Iraq suggests... Uh, this is Donald Trump on the Howard Stern show, uh, Howard Stern show uh, prior to the Iraq war. Trump was not against the war until later, until after it uh, started going bad. Here's here's Trump on the Howard Stern show again. But we have an idea who the enemy is, and a lot of times the politicians don't want to tell you that. Are you for invading Iraq? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, you know, I wish it was. I I wish the first time it was done correctly. 
Yeah, but uh, that was Donald Trump in 2002. He wishes they had gone in further and done it correctly, which would, of course, led to the rise of ISIS back then. Uh, but uh, he was in favor, I guess, of invading Iraq again, despite what he keeps saying now in 2013. Um, so it doesn't matter how often his claims are debunked. He simply repeats them over and over and over again, which makes covering this election very difficult for even the best journalists, much less the mainstream corporate media who is not necessarily filled with the best journalists. Uh, basically, his plan to stop ISIS, as he spelled it out during the uh, during the address today, uh, that plan to stop ISIS is get ready to stop ISIS. Oh, that's the plan. Well, that's different. Uh, yeah. No actual plan spelled out as far as I could tell. Uh, he, he said he would not telegraph the military plans and what they are, but that he will also uh, not only destroy ISIS, but also decimate Al Qaeda using, quote, military, cyber, financial and ideological warfare. Hmm. There's something that no one ever thought of. Uh, he, so he won't announce the plan for taking on ISIS and Al Qaeda, but he has a plan for taking on immigration to this country, which he calls extreme vetting. The time is overdue to develop a new screening test for the threats we face today. I call it extreme vetting. I call extreme. it extreme, extreme, extreme. vetting. Extra. In addition to screening out all members of the sympathizers of terrorist groups, we must also screen out any who have hostile attitudes toward our country or its principles. Those who do not believe in our Constitution or who support bigotry and hatred will not be admitted for immigration into our country. To put these new procedures in place, we will have to temporarily suspend immigration from some of the most dangerous and volatile regions of the world that have a history of exporting terrorism. Not for us. Not for us. So once again, no real actual details of this extreme vetting, uh, what it actually would be. For the record, mind you, it takes some uh, at least 18 months right now for refugees uh, to come to the U.S. from uh, areas like uh, Syria and so forth, anywhere from 18 uh, months to two years, if they're allowed to come here at all. Uh, that, despite Donald Trump's claims that uh, millions of refugees are streaming into the U.S. Uh, in the meantime, however, over the weekend, something that Donald Trump failed to mention at all. He went through a litany of all of the uh, horrific attacks that have uh, happened in recent years. Uh, by uh, Muslim extremists in this country and elsewhere. But one that he an attack that he did not mention happened just this weekend. Um, but I guess that was and this had to do, of course, with uh, uh, two Muslims. But I don't know why Donald Trump didn't bring it up. Oh, I see why he didn't bring it up. A lone gunman executed a revered Queen's imam and his friend as the pair walked home from Saturday prayers, blasting each in the back of the head without a word, according to officials. Mosque leader Mulama Akanji and his friend Thara Udin were dressed in Muslim garb when the killer was approached when the killer approached from be from behind and shot from point blank range, according to New York. Police Department Deputy Inspector of the Queens South Detective Bureau. Queens, of course, 
is Donald Trump's hometown. He was born in Queens. You would think he would be concerned about this uh, this execution-style killing. Akanji, 55, a married father of three, was a respected religious leader. He arrived in Queens uh, from Bangladesh less than two years ago. Udin was 65-year-old. He died about four hours after the attack. We are all crying, said his brother Mashuk Udin. There's so much crying. Scores of worshippers from the mosque gathered within hours at the murder scene to denounce the cold-blooded ambush as a hate crime. Quote, that's not what America is about, said local resident Karul Islam, 33 years old. We blame Donald Trump for this. Trump and his drama has created Islamophobia. A high-ranking police source, according to the New York Daily News, said that the New York uh, NYPD hate crimes task force would investigate, but that it was too early to say what the motive was. And yet, so you've got uh, two uh, Muslim, an imam and his associate gunned down in broad daylight, left to die in their own blood just one block from, uh, from a mosque in Ozone Park, Queens, where the two victims had prayed together only minutes earlier. Uh, gunned down. And the killer, as far as we know, is still on the loose. Now, imagine... Had this been the other way around, had imagine uh, a Muslim uh, walked up to two, what, uh, preachers, priests, uh, I don't know, just two white guys, frankly, shot them in the back of the head and ran. Every cable news uh, net station in this uh, the country at this point would be going wall to wall about this uh, Muslim extremists on the loose. And yet this guy with... There has hardly been anything. I don't see anything in the media about it. The fact that you've got this guy uh, who walked up and silently shot uh, two people in Muslim garb in the back of the head in broad daylight on a Saturday. The man was considered a very sweet, soft-spoken, humble man, according to Kobir Chaturi, president of a different neighboring uh, neighborhood mosque. He's a role model as an imam, a father, a community member. He didn't have any disputes with anybody. A police source said there were no reports of any problems going back several years at the mosque. So uh, do you suppose Donald Trump might have mentioned something about this if it was believed that the shooter was Muslim? The shooter who walked up in Donald Trump's hometown and executed two people in broad daylight on the on the sidewalk and, and then ran away. Do you think that would have come up at all in Donald Trump's uh, uh, remarks today? Well, they didn't come up. He didn't men- he didn't mention it. And that's kind of where we are. Um, apparently, you can go up and you can kill all the Muslims you want with, you know, no real penalty, no real freak out from the uh, from the electoral cycle or from the mainstream corporate media. But if it's the other way around, uh, look out. Uh, so it's just amazing to me where we would be. Imagine where we would be right now. Had that been a Muslim attack, had ISIS claimed responsibility for that and that shooter still been on the loose today. In the meantime, speaking of uh, stories that are not properly covered by the uh, corporate media, severe, <laughs> severe flooding is now engulfing the state of Louisiana, forcing massive evacuations. Desi Doyen, uh, I know you've been keeping your eyes closely on this. 
More than 20,000 people rescued from their homes as of Sunday as rain-swollen rivers flooded their banks and wreaked havoc across southern Louisiana. Yes, it's been, it's, it's really uh, an historic and, and kind of frightening uh, rain event. We've had several of those. We've had eight rain events, extreme rain events so far just this year in the United States. This is Louisiana's third extreme flood event this year alone. And and what's scary, I think, most about this is that some of these rivers, I think they said 11 rivers hit record flood crests. Yeah. Uh, that's 11, 11 rivers. Well, and they, they hit not just a, a record, but they shattered the record. Yeah, some went like three, four feet beyond the right. previous flood record. Yep. One river rose 18 feet in just 12 hours. The governor, Don Bell Edwards, said... This has never happened before, so please do not rely on what you remember having happened before as your re- as your metric for when whether you should evacuate now. He said, this is unprecedented. We don't know what to expect, so if you're told to evacuate, please do. If you look at some of these photos coming out of there, if you can find them, uh, it looks like Katrina, frankly. It, it does. You know, it looks like a hurricane event. Um, the uh, residents were scrambling to safety as rivers and creeks burst their banks, swollen from days of heavy rain that in some areas came close to two feet over a 48-hour period. Two feet of rain over 40 hours, 48 hours. Now, just to give you some idea of what two feet of rain in 48 hours mean, I, uh, I, I went and I had to check this at a bunch of different sources to get a sense of if my numbers were correct on this. But on average, 13 inches of snow, when you hear of, you know, 13, a yeah, blizzard, 13 inches of snow comes in, yeah. that equals one inch of rain in the U.S. on average. Now, sometimes it can be less, sometimes it can be 10 inches, sometimes uh, it can be 50 inches of snow. But the average is about 13 inches for every one, 13 inches of snow for every one inch of rain in the U.S. So, doing some math here, 48 inches in some areas... That is 624 inches of snow, Des. Wow. Or 52 feet <laughs> oh of my God. snow. Uh. For you know, just to give you an idea, when we say that this is historic, and we've had a lot of these events lately, where we say it's historic, and all the residents say, "I've never seen anything like this. I can't believe we've never seen anything like this." It's a five hundred year used to say a hundred year flood. Now it's five hundred year flood. Now it's a thousand year flood. We're seeing this over and over and over again. Of course, Donald Trump isn't saying a word about any of this other than to say, as he said, I think during his speech today, we need more oil, 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 oil. Yeah. And, of course, it's the oil, oil, oil that we are burning that is leading to these uh, disastrous events all over the uh, all over the world and certainly all over the country within uh, recent months. OK, so just some real quick science on this part of that. What's driving it is record warm Gulf of Mexico temperatures. It's providing a what one meteorologist called a, an unlimited supply of moisture mm. to dump. It's also a stalled system that is moving very slowly, which means it can park over that area and just continue to dump moisture as long as it has that unlimited supply. And that's related to a new area, uh, an active area of research with uh, melting at the Arctic pole. That the changes in the um, Arctic, as the ice melts, it warms the Arctic. That changes the jet stream. The jet stream is what drives weather patterns across the United States. When the jet stream slows down and creates these meandering patterns, we get these extreme events like this storm that continue to stall over parts of the United States. So 
They already say that Climate Nexus is a, is a quick attribution website. And Climate Nexus says this has all the signals of climate change written mm. all over it. Yeah. It'll take some time to do the exact data on it and make the exact calculations, but they said, clearly we are part, this is part of that observed trend in the United States of more extreme rainfall And events. this is something that the corporate media does not tie together, does not even report, much less tie together. And if you, you know, if you watch CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, even now, if you watch these, these speeches that Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton give, when they do take a break, when they do go to a commercial, it's a commercial for ExxonMobil. Yes. Uh, you know, they make millions of dollars, these uh, uh, cable outlets. They make millions of dollars on this stuff. They are not going to connect those dots. We make nothing from the uh, oil companies. ExxonMobil doesn't give us a dime, so... Uh, we'll call it what out. The hell. Yeah, we will say uh, <laughs> we will report the actual facts and the actual science, no matter how inconvenient it may be to uh, to some. Uh, but pay attention, people pay attention. That's why we've been doing the Green News Report uh, for so many years now. I think we're in our eighth year uh, because this stuff doesn't get covered. Even when you have an event like this, 48 hours of rain, 48 inches of rain in 24 hours. Are you kidding me? Tens of thousands of people rescued, not just evacuated, rescued. Uh, 20,000 people were rescued from their homes as of Sunday. And that's not to mention the folks that were trapped on that interstate. That way, were trapped by the flooding. There were about, they were fleeing about hundreds got, of yeah. people that were trapped for more than 24 hours. They had to airdrop water and food for them. John Bell Edwards, the governor of Louisiana, he had to be evacuated from the governor's mansion because it began to uh, to flood and it knocked out the power there. So that's that's the just the latest flooding event going on in the United States. We've been covering these a lot over the past few weeks because they keep happening. Because they keep keep happening. And at the same time, meanwhile, out here, out west, firefighters are battling to control a northern California blaze that has so far destroyed at least 175 homes and businesses as it grows to 3,000 acres and has forced 4,000 people from their homes. When we last checked uh, on Monday, the fire in Lower Lake, California, was just 5 percent contained and fire officials expected the flames to continue to be aggressive, spurred by the uh, temperatures in the 90s. This is in Northern California. Down here in Southern California, where we are, temperatures are pushing uh, triple digits. This is the fourth major fire since last summer to hit this same county, Lake County, uh, California, uh, which is a rural area, a resort area east of uh, about an hour and a half ne uh, northeast of San Francisco. And uh, the uh, state senator, Mike McGuire, who represents Lake County, said, you stand and look down Main Street in Lower Lake and you think, how the hell could this be happening again? We just couldn't believe that we're here again. The level of fire activity in Lake County is unprecedented. Yes, it is. Because last year, fires broke out in the largely rural county during July and August, scorching more than 70,000 acres and destroying about 100 homes in one place. And the Valley Fire nearby burned another 76,000 acres, mostly in Lake County. Four people died in that fire and nearly 2,000 homes and other structures were destroyed in what state fire officials call California's third largest wildfire in terms of buildings lost. That was the Lake County fire last year, and here they are again facing uh, a massive wildfire once again. Luckily so far, no injuries or deaths have been reported, at least to people. A number of pets 
uh, were found killed. Um, and then, then you get the quote from Melissa Fulton, chief executive officer of the Lake County Chamber of Commerce. Quote, as an individual, I feel like how in the world could this happen again? Oh, how? How could it happen? Well, it's yeah. there is a historic drought in California right now. We are in the fifth year of drought. In fact, uh, one meteorologist calculated that Louisiana basically got as much rain in 24 hours as Bakersfield and uh, northern parts of California have received in five years. That's the difference in rainfall. Now, remember when Donald Trump was out here a few months ago? And he said there is no drought yes. <laughs> in California that people told him there is no drought. He's hearing from people. There's really there's no drought. I, I don't know what the hell he was talking about. We fact checked it at the time, but it's just mind blowing. Meanwhile, you got uh, more than a thousand firefighters are now out battling uh, uh, this fire up in Lake County. Uh, dealing with strong winds, intense heat and dry brush fueled, in fact, by the state's five year long drought. Five-year-long drought that's that's not happening at all. Uh, seven other large wildfire fires are currently burning out here in California, about 360 miles south in uh, San Luis Obispo, California. Uh, a 4,300-acre fire has destroyed 12 structures and damaged 20 others in Monterey, California. Our listeners up there on Radio Monterey uh, near Big Sur, an aggressive fire continues to burn more than 73,000 acres throughout this month and uh, and in late July. That fire has destroyed 68 structures, including 57 homes, and a bulldozer operator died while battling the flames in late July. So the cost of climate change that doesn't exist, that is a myth according to a hoax, according to uh, one of the two, Major party presidential nominees for the United States. Um, that hoax continues, and it continues to be costly. Speaking of hoaxes that continue and continue to be costly, uh, more Donald Trump, more hoax uh, concerning voter fraud after this break. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year round, like no other media outlet in the nation. But we need your support to keep doing so, now more than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate to make a monthly pledge of any amount you like to help keep us going, or even just a one-time-only contribution. While everyone else covers the horse race, we also keep our eyes on the track conditions those horses are running on. Because voting systems, access to the polls, and citizen oversight of election results can make all the difference. Please help us continue to fight independently for your democracy by taking about 60 seconds right now to stop by bradblog.com donate today. And thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com telling you the truth, not the lies, arming you with facts. You're going to need them over the next, uh, where are we at, about 85 days at this point. 
Uh, a new poll released on Friday by NBC News, Wall Street Journal, Maris shows Donald Trump trailing Hillary Clinton by crushing margins in four key swing states, according to TPM in North Carolina. Uh, which Mitt Romney won in 2012. That is crucial to any chance that Donald Trump might have uh, for winning the presidential election this year. In North Carolina, Clinton now leads Trump among registered voters by nine percentage points. This is a state that uh, uh, Barack Obama barely won by uh, just a few thousand votes back in 2008. Mitt Romney took it back in 2012. Now Clinton is reportedly up there by nine points, according to this poll, at least. Uh, she's also ahead of Trump uh, in Florida by five points and uh, leads Trump in Virginia and Colorado, which have been for some years swing states very close. They both went for President Obama in 2008 and 2012. But maybe they're no longer swing states, at least in this election. Trump is now behind Hillary Clinton by 13 percentage points in Virginia and by 14 points in Colorado. If you factor in the uh, third party candidates, Gary Johnson of the Libertarian Party and Jill Stein of the Green Party nominee, those numbers don't change uh, hardly at all. Clinton still leads in those states by almost the exact same numbers. Meanwhile, in other states which have gone uh, traditionally Republican now for the last few cycles, uh, states like Indiana, a new uh, internal Democratic poll uh, from uh, Gre the uh, Dem Greg poll finds that uh, this is a state that Romney won by 10 percent back in 2012, whether the governor, the governor of Indiana is on the ticket as the vice president. According to this uh, latest data from this uh, from this poll right now, it is tied in Indiana with Clinton and uh, Trump at 44 points apiece. Once again, Mitt Romney won Indiana by 10 points and the Indiana governor is now on the Republican ticket. And yet the state of Indiana is tied. Uh, all of which brings us to what Donald Trump had to say on Friday, which, by the way, as offensive and inaccurate and wrong as it was also might be a crime or at least um, suggesting that the Republican Party and poll watchers commit a crime. Let me break this down for you. Here is uh, just a quick uh, idea of what uh, Donald Trump was calling for in uh, where was this Altoona, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah, Altoona, Pennsylvania on Friday uh, talking about. Uh, fraud that he that they might lose that they're going to win that they're doing great in these polls never mind those numbers I just read you in those battleground states Donald Trump says they're doing great uh, in those states unless those pesky Democrats get back to work with their voter fraud by well here's what he had to say we're going to watch Pennsylvania very quickly we're going to watch Pennsylvania Go down to certain areas and watch and study and make sure other people don't come in and vote five times. If you do that, we're not going to lose. The only way we can lose, in my opinion, I really mean this, Pennsylvania, is if cheating goes on. I really believe it. We have to call up law enforcement and we have to have the sheriffs and the police chiefs and everybody watching because if we get cheated out of this election, if we get cheated out of a win in Pennsylvania, which is such a vital state, especially when I know what's happening here, folks. 
I know she can't beat what's happening here. The only way they can beat it, in my opinion, and I mean this 100%, if in certain sections of the state mm. they cheat, okay? Certain sections, certain parts he was talking about. What certain parts of the state might that be? What might that be? Who might those certain voters be that he is convinced are going to come in and vote five times? Now, you can't vote five times, at least not in the same place. I suppose you could try to commit uh, voter fraud in five different precincts somehow if you can figure out five different voters who haven't voted yet and you can figure out their name and their address and you can go in and you can say you are them and the poll workers don't recognize that, uh, you know, that you are not them. Meanwhile, you are risking a uh, five years in jail and a $10,000 fine federally, not to mention uh, state uh, penalties as well. If you try and do this all for one vote or I guess all for five votes, if you're going to vote five different times. Uh, this is what the Republicans have been claiming for years, and they are still hanging on to this. Uh, what happened in Pennsylvania, what happened in Philadelphia that we debunked. Uh, I don't know how many. Well, back in December of 2012 at Bradblog.com. And I'll get to that debunking in a minute. But um, Trump, who has previously suggested the November 8 election would be rigged for Democratic rival Hillary Clinton, according to the L.A. Times, said he'd, quote, heard some stories about certain parts of the state. And we have to be very careful. Maybe you should go down and volunteer or do something, he told the audience. And then he went on to the part you heard there. We have a lot of law enforcement people working that day. We're hiring a lot of people. We're putting a lot of law enforcement we're going to watch Pennsylvania go down to certain areas and watch and study and make sure other people don't come in and vote five times. Now, the presidential candidate uh, nominee for president of the United States, as far as I know, does not do the hiring of local law enforcement. Uh, that would be up to the states and the counties and the localities and so forth. But that's what Donald Trump is claiming he's going to do. Uh, OK. OK. Um, that's odd uh, because they're not allowed to do that. And the Republican Party in particular is not allowed to do that. The Republican Party has been trying to do this stuff now for decades. And what Donald Trump seems to have been calling for uh, in, in Pennsylvania would be in violation of a consent decree that the Republican Party had to sign decades ago, that they agreed to sign decades ago. After doing exactly this, after targeting certain areas for voter suppression, certain places, certain people. And in this case, of course, you're talking about, uh, you know, the inner city precincts, uh, as they did uh, back after the 2014, uh, 2012 election, when they claimed that Mitt Romney, and this is the claim they're going on, 59 different Philadelphia precincts where there were recorded zero votes for Mitt Romney. Now, that might seem amazing. That might seem impossible. And these were large inner city precincts. It seems impossible that they could vote uh, record zero votes for Mitt Romney. But in fact, we looked at this at Bradblog.com. We looked at the evidence for a number of myths about uh, Obama getting 108 percent of the vote in one county in Ohio that there was a 141 percent turnout in another county in Florida, that it exceeded 100 percent turnout in uh, uh, several Colorado counties. We went through them 
case by case, state by state to look at these claims county by county to see if they added up. And in every case, they did not. In the case of uh, Philadelphia and nine Cleveland, Ohio precincts. So there was nine Cleveland precincts and 59 Philadelphia precincts that recorded zero votes for Mitt Romney, which Republicans said was evidence of fraud that can only happen if there was somehow voter fraud. Now, at the time, at bradblog.com, Keith Darling Breckus went through all of these and uh, tried to see if there was anything to them. He wrote, to the casual observer, the idea that one candidate could shut out the other throughout an entire precinct may seem implausible. However, an understanding of history and demographics puts that concern to rest. For example, he writes, when pundits remarked that Romney was shut out in 59 Philadelphia precincts, That was true, but they failed to point out that the relevant historical information showed John McCain did nearly as poorly getting shut out zero votes in 57 Philadelphia precincts. In his uh, 2004 race, George W. Bush received zero votes in only five Philadelphia precincts, but... As uh, uh, Breckus notes, a few people may remember that, according to exit polls, George W. Bush fared reasonably well among black voters, at least compared to both Mitt Romney and John McCain. Bush managed to secure 11 percent of the black vote nationally. That's almost double of uh, double Romney's performance. And he did even better in Ohio and Pennsylvania, where Romney scored 16 percent of the African-American vote. Mind you, uh, recent uh, polling out of Pennsylvania shows Donald Trump receiving, get ready, zero percent, zero percent of the African-American vote. Um, So don't be surprised if there are even more than 59 Philadelphia precincts that show zero votes. And meanwhile, in in Cleveland, those uh, nine Cleveland precincts back in 2012 where Romney got zero votes, Uh, Of course, that could raise uh, red flags for anyone, certainly among the Republicans. But uh, Mitt Romney actually fared better in Cleveland, Ohio, than uh, John McCain did uh, four years earlier in 2008. McCain blanked in 13 of Cleveland's voting precincts back in 2008. Uh, Keith Darling Breckus went even further at Bradblog.com looking at other, uh, you know, if there was precincts in safe red or blue states as opposed to the swing states of Ohio and Pennsylvania. Uh, Were there any such precincts uh, where the incentive to defraud a national election might be a lot more limited or non-existence, like, for example, in Illinois, which is considered to be a safe Democratic state? Well, Mitt Romney failed to secure any votes in 37 of Chicago's precincts. All right. Well, Barack Obama was from there and uh, people still claim, oh, there's terrible fraud going on in Chicago. Fine. What about in states that Obama had no chance to win where Romney coasted to victory? Well, Obama was still able to shut out Mitt Romney in several of those states in one precinct in Little Rock, Arkansas. Obama managed to get 474 votes and Mitt Romney received zero votes. There were two additional votes uh, for other candidates in that race. Romney is also shown to have received zero votes in 22 precincts in Dallas. Zero votes, Des, in 22 precincts in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Also in 22 precincts in New Orleans, nine precincts in Birmingham, uh, Alabama, Seven precincts in Gary, Indiana, that's near Chicago. Six precincts in Louisville, Kentucky. And three precincts in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. All zero votes, goose eggs 
for uh, for Mitt Romney. So the idea that uh, there's something going on specifically in Philadelphia, and that's where the Repu- that's where the Democrats are going to steal the vote. Mind you, uh, Barack Obama won by four million votes. So that's a lot of people who would have to go in and vote a lot of multiple times. Um, and by the way, on uh, even in Oklahoma, one of Obama's worst states, one precinct reportedly went 606 to 3 for Barack Obama. And he carried several other large precincts in Oklahoma with more than 97 percent of the vote. And then on the other side, it also happened to Barack Obama. He received zero votes in several mostly white precincts in Utah, in Oklahoma, in Louisiana and Mississippi. So, yes, it happens that presidential candidates can get zero votes in a precinct. And yet... According to uh, Donald Trump, he's got the inside word that they will win as long as they don't cheat in these precincts. Now, that doesn't explain how it is that uh, Hillary Clinton is leading by nine points in the public opinion polls. Unless what they're cheating on the opinion polls as well. The uh, the pollsters are calling up the same voters five different times. Is that what's going on? Um, so other than that, yeah, they're going to win. Now, here's the thing. Uh, in in uh, some of the, in several of these states in recent weeks, um, we saw, for example, in North Carolina, where a federal appeals court has now struck down the uh, voter ID law in North Carolina, the photo ID restriction uh, at the polling place uh, in North Carolina, another battleground state. That law, the, the federal appeals court found, had targeted African-Americans with, quote, almost surgical precision in an effort to suppress the black vote. That's why the law was passed by the Republicans who took over the state for the first time in 143 years back in 2010. Uh, that's why they passed this law in the first place, to try to keep African-American voters from being able to vote. Same thing happened in Texas, where the most conservative court appellate court in the land a few weeks ago found that Texas also violated the Voting Rights Act uh, by uh, attempting to depress the turnout of black and Latino voters in Texas. In Pennsylvania, meanwhile, their photo ID law was struck down in court uh, back in back in 2014. And yet back in 2012, it was one of the most fiercely contested uh, states in the 2012 presidential election. A Republican a state house re- Republican by the name of Mike Terzai came out and he said that the law, you know, that he expected that law was going to ensure that Republican Mitt Romney would win Pennsylvania. And as it turns out, you may have heard Mitt Romney lost Pennsylvania, even with the photo ID uh, law still in place back in 2012. That wasn't struck down until 2014. But the idea that Trump is now calling for uh, law enforcement, he's asking. uh, Now, I'm in favor. Let me know. I'm in favor of observers at the polls. The more citizens out there from all parties, the better. He's now putting out uh, a notice on his website. Please sign up to be a, a Donald Trump observer. And you have to put in your name and your address and information. And then you're led to you're told you will be contacted at some point. And then you're led to a donation page. Of course. Um, so, by the way, I think Hillary Clinton uh, supporters uh, ought to sign up for that. Be observers. I think that's a fine idea. But the idea that they are going down to certain precincts, that would be illegal. That would be in violation of the consent decree 
signed by the Republican Party uh, decades ago that they have been trying to uh, they've been trying to do away with ever since. But they signed on to it uh, and the Supreme Court as recently as uh, 2014, I think it was or 2012, uh, said, no, they are not free from this consent decree. This goes back to 1981. Uh, New Jersey gubernatorial race, the uh, Democratic National Committee and the New Jersey Democratic State Committee had filed suit against the RNC and against New Jersey Republicans uh, State Committee for alleged intimidation of minority voters in violation of the Voting Rights Act of 1965 and in violation of the 14th and 15th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. The RNC had created voter caging lists in minority precincts. Those are lists of people that they want to target, people that they want to challenge when they show up to vote. Uh, and as it turns out, uh, they were all in these, uh, you know, these urban areas. They were targeting black voters, African-American voters that they knew tend to vote for Democrats. And they hired off-duty law enforcement to stand outside the minority precincts wearing uh, armbands that said National Ballot Security Task Force. Some of these uh, guys had, uh, had firearms on them. And this is what they sued about, what the Democrats sued about back in 1981 and the, se the settlement uh, which the RNC signed was applicable nationwide. It limited the RNC, its agents, and its employees from the ability to engage in voter fraud prevention efforts without prior court approval. So all they, if they got a plan to watch the polls, all they have to do is go to the courts and say, hey, here's our plan, and get approval for that. Um, but they haven't done it, ever. They've never gone to ask for approval for any of their plans. Instead, what they did was they went back to court back in uh, 2003, I think it was, when they went back to try to get them to, to make the claim. Um, let's see, was it 2000? And, no, uh, uh, I don't have the date here. Um, but it was they went to uh, basically they went to court and made the argument that, uh, you know, the, the problem with uh, minority uh, voting rights is no longer a problem because we've got a black president. At the time, we had a black attorney general. The uh, Michael Steele, uh, the African-American, was ahead of the RNC. And they said, therefore, we can get away. We can do away with these uh, with with this consent decree. You can release us from this consent decree. There is no reason for us to have to get permission anymore to do our ballot, quote-unquote, ballot integrity uh, program. Well, the uh, judge had none of that. The judge uh, said that wrote that the district court correctly notes that any increase in minority voter registration or voter turnout uh, due to the uh, Voter Registration Act, uh, that is irrelevant to the uh, consent decree because the consent decree was not designed to encourage minority voter registration, but rather to prevent voter suppression. So it makes no difference whether minority turnout uh, and voting was up. It didn't have anything to do with that. It had to do with uh, keeping voters from being suppressed by these tactics that Republicans have now been using for decades. The judge also said the RNC has not demonstrated that any ineligible voter registered by a non-party organization has ever actually cast a vote. Remember this? ACORN? They told you that Acorn was going out there registering all kinds of people in Philadelphia committing voter fraud. 
Well, as it turns out, as we've been telling you for years, there is no evidence of a single vote ever being cast uh, by uh, someone who was registered to vote improperly by ACORN or these other uh, uh, third party uh, groups that go out there and register voters. Not a single illegal vote. And mind you, there had to be at least four million of them for Barack Obama to beat Mitt Romney back in 2012, if you believe what Donald Trump believes. The judge went on to say that the the court had never prevented the Republican National uh, uh, Committee from implementing a voter fraud prevention program that the RNC had submitted for preclearance because the RNC has never submitted any voter fraud prevention program for preclearance. Judge goes on to write, if the RNC does not hope to engage in conduct that would violate the decree, it's puzzling that the RNC is pursuing vacating this uh, consent decree so vigorously. So that was back just a few years ago. They were not allowed out of that consent decree. And in fact, if it is shown that uh, Donald Trump uh, is an agent of the Republican Party and if he is calling for these uh, measures, guess what? The Democrats can go back to court and they can ask for that uh, consent decree to be extended for yet another eight years. Rick Hassan, the uh, election expert over at uh, from UC Irvine, he writes at Election Law Blog, uh, believes that what this activity is uh, could very well itself violate the consent decree and that the DNC can ask for it, therefore, to be extended for up to eight years, at least if they can determine that uh, Donald Trump counts as an RNC agent in these circumstances, does he? Well... Uh, they are certainly acting in concert. He's, he writes the Trump and and the RNC, and it's plausible to argue that the Trump that Trump and the RNC are agents of each other for purposes of this election, uh, and that he is now talking about engaging in behavior that would violate that consent decree. So. Well, one of the things that I think is some people don't recognize is what this looks like in practical terms. I think we've had stories about poll, so-called poll watchers who would actually go and challenge individual voters yeah. at a precinct. And then that individual voter, if they couldn't prove uh, the, the reverse of whatever that challenger was saying, they would have to vote on a provisional right. ballot. And this was, you know, a, a street by street, precinct by precinct level of trying to prevent people from voting. Certain areas, certain places that I've heard of down in Philadelphia that we need to go in and monitor. Uh, this could cause havoc. This could cause violence on Election Day. Um Signing up to be a, a poll observer can be helpful if you're one of the good guys yeah. who can stand up for one of the folks being targeted but by lying, these groups. But lying to the public and telling the public that there is massive voter fraud going on, the only way we can lose is if there is massive voter fraud when you're already losing by 10 points in the polls in Pennsylvania. Uh, it's just amazing, and it needs to be spoken to. So consider it spoken to. We'll continue to do that, and we'll continue uh, with uh, even Republicans now in the right-wing media are starting to notice, yeah, Houston, uh, we got a problem. We'll have that story right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away.
Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. Back to life. Back to reality, back to life, back to reality. Well, I don't know if they're getting back to reality just yet, but the right wing, even the right wing uh, talk radio hosts are starting to notice what they have done to this country, what they have done to themselves. You know, at Brad Blog, uh, Br- welcome back to the broadcast, Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Uh, at Bradblog, we have been covering for more than 10 years. We have been fact checking all of this stuff and nonsense coming out from the Republican Party. We've been uh, warning that the party is going farther and farther and farther off the rails. We've been warning for so long that when uh, Donald Trump came out in June of last year in in 2015, June 16, 2015, to announce he was running for president and everybody thought it was crazy, especially everybody in the uh, mainstream corporate media, we had to say, no, it is not crazy at all. He is saying exactly what the Republicans have been saying amongst themselves for well over a decade. And uh, finally, now, even the right wing radio talk show hosts are beginning to notice Charlie Sykes uh, up in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. uh, It looks like uh, he is apparently beginning to take stock of just how he his part in creating the mess that we now have. He says, uh, quote, we have created this monster. He's referring to uh, to Donald Trump. He told uh, business insiders Oliver Darcy that conservative media talking heads himself included have, quote, spent 20 years demonizing the liberal mainstream media and then argued that uh, some of the criticism uh, of that media is justifiable. But he said that those years of attack have destroyed the credibility of media companies who are trying to fight Trump's fact-proof campaign with actual reporting. Sykes said that when this is all over, we have to go back. There's got to be a reckoning of all of this. He said, we have created a monster. Um He said, and I'm feeling uh, to a certain extent that we are reaping the whirlwind at that. And I have to look in the mirror and ask myself, to what extent did I contribute? Good for Charlie Sykes. Now, Charlie Sykes is a guy who gave millions of dollars uh, worth of airtime to Scott Walker back during the uh, uh, during that recall election back in in 2012. And, uh, you know, a case was brought uh, filed with the FCC, who uh, eventually uh, threw out the complaint saying that, no, the public airwaves, you can bring on all the supporters you want. You can be a supporter. You can be Charlie Sykes. You can give what would be the equivalent of millions of dollars of, uh, of air coverage to Scott Walker over our public airwaves, the publicly owned airwaves. And there's nothing right now to stop you. And that's what Charlie Sykes did. Charlie Sykes was uh, uh, Scott uh, Walker's biggest booster back then. Gave hours of airtime to him, calling on volunteers to do this and to do that. So I don't have a lot of sympathy for Charlie Sykes on the way he's abused the public airwaves. Now that it's come back to haunt him, now that he's been one of these uh, never-Trumpers. 
But he's right, at least in this case. He's right in uh, taking a look in the mirror and seeing that the problem has been him all along and other right wing uh, uh, media tools. For example, for example, uh, Eric Erickson, who is also another one of these never Trump guys. He took a look at what uh, Sykes had to say, and he wrote uh, over the weekend for some like me, perhaps we pushed too hard on issues and held too many people to too many promises to uh, to many promises. We took more literally than we should have. Perhaps we encouraged activists to have too little grace for others, Erickson wrote. He said conservatives have spent years calling out the mainstream media for making up stuff about the right. We do ourselves no favor if we do not also hold our own side accountable, lest they discredit us all and drive our own side to the brink of dementia. Too late. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's what it is. Sykes uh, said in his comments to a business insider, we've basically eliminated any of the referees, the gatekeepers. There's nobody. He says, let's say that Donald Trump basically makes whatever you want to say, whatever claim he wants to make. And everybody knows it's a falsehood. The big question, he says, of his audience, it is impossible for me to say that, by the way, you know, it's false if he says that. And they'll say, uh, why? And he'll say, well, uh, the New York Times did a fact check. And they'll say, oh, that's the New York Times. That's BS. So Sykes says, there's nobody. You can't go to anybody and say, look, here are the facts. Uh, he says, I have to say this is one of the disorienting realities of this political year. If I don't say these things from some of these websites, and he's talking about guys like Eric Erickson's website, he used to be at Red State uh, or the Breitbart uh, website. If I don't say these things from some of these websites, then I have sold out, says Sykes. Then they'll ask, what's wrong with me for not repeating these stories that I know are not true? When it's all over, there's going to be a reckoning, he says. We've created this monster. He said, I'm a conservative talk show host, but I'll tell you, we have spent 20 years demonizing the liberal mainstream media. But at a certain point, you wake up and you realize you have destroyed the credibility of any credible outlet out there. And I'm feeling to a certain extent that we are reaping the whirlwind at that. And I have to look in the mirror and ask myself, to what extent did I contribute? Well, the problem is he's not the only one reaping his whirlwind. The rest of the country, the rest of the world is reaping it as well. So uh, thanks for admitting it, Charlie Sykes. Other than that, thanks for nothing. But thanks to you, Desi Doyen, our producer, and uh, to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us as we try to uh, straighten out the facts. You know, actual information, in, uh, independently verifiable. Don't trust us. Don't trust me on anything. Go check it for yourself. Um, but don't check at those right-wing websites because they just lie. Go look at actual facts. Anyway, thanks for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it at bradblog.com. You can leave us comments there as well, or you can email me. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Twitters and the Facebooks, I am simply the Brad Blog. Uh, I think that's it for now. Until we meet again, which will be soon, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.